Welcome to our podcast, Parenting by the Pint. Enjoy the show. Greetings, Minivan Mafia. Lauren and I are longtime friends from Chicagoland that love getting together to chat about life, kids, family, and beer. Each week, we'll feature a brewery and sample at least two of their beers. We'll also discuss a variety of topics ranging from parenting, pop culture, travel, marriage, and just about anything else that comes to mind. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Hi, guys. Hey. So we're going to do something that you guys have, I hope, grown to enjoy, where we deviate slightly from our regular format (laughs) and enjoy a cocktail of our choice while talking about something probably not child or family (laughs) related. (laughs) I guess depending this this particular time, depending on exactly what we chose to research. But Uh, um, in my case, it is it is not child. It's not child related at all. Yep. (laughs) No. All right. So we're going to start with our cocktails. And I'm going to tell you what I picked to make myself. Um, I decided to go with an Aperol spritz, which is something I drank a lot of in Italy. It's a very uh, Italian cocktail, uh, Mm -hmm. often described as an Italian sunset in a glass. It originated in Padua. For those of you who like Shakespeare, you know that town. Mm. Uh, (laughs) um, It's kind of their most popular, I think, cocktail. Um, And uh, it's just, it's got this, it's got Aperol in it, which is a... It's like kind of like an orange bitter liqueur. Definitely and bitter to me. Yeah, I, yeah. pretty bitter. Mm-hmm. Um, now that I'm talking about it a little bit, I think it's possible that I've talked about Aperol before on the podcast because it sounds in my brain a little familiar, but it might be we've done cocktails before. So sure. I'll yeah. give you guys a yeah. little more of a spiel about the spritz and then we'll um we'll have I'll have a sip in Lauren. You can tell me about your drink. Cool. Um the uh the the liqueur Aperol was created by two brothers in Padua. Luigi and Silvia Barbieri in 1919. So it's uh, about 100 years old. Um, They incorporated it into this cocktail. Spritz is a German, German German-Austrian drink that comes back from the 19th century. Um, And in like the 1950s, the Barbieri's aperitif kind of took over Campari in popularity. Uh, yeah. So this became a little more popular than Campari at that time. Uh, they started doing like television advertising and things like that. And it just became a very popular drink for lunchtime and summer evenings. It's a very refreshing drink when made correctly, <laughs> which I think is really important because I've, as I've already said, it can be bitter. Mm-hmm. And, um, if you overdo it on the Aperol, I feel like it just does not taste good. You really got to balance out. It's got Prosecco in it. It's also got a splash of 
cream soda or club so you you have a little bit of leeway i think with your with your soda choice i went with cream soda i often do because it's a, it's sweet so i think it balances out the bitter really well i think some Mm -hmm. people Yeah. do tonic and some people just do sparkling water i think both of those maybe add to the bitterness so i sort of lean toward cream soda which is more traditional also I like that. I've had a I've had it before, but to me it's always been quite bitter when I've had it. I haven't Yeah. made it, but I feel like if it had a little bit more sweetness, I might enjoy it. So that's an interesting addition to like I think I, when I had it it was just like soda water or something like not Yeah. you know something with Well, a little carbonation but not mm -hmm. much flavor to it I also so think that if you if you're a little and I use that word strongly, a little heavy handed on the Prosecco. you balance out that bitterness kind of nicely because you're yes you're still kind of adding a little it's it's really just making the drink a little bit bigger not necessarily shifting the balance of things i tend to just put a little bit more prosecco than the recipe calls for just to kind of like take the edge off of that aperol if it's a little strong which is what Yeah. i did with my drink and i gave it a tiny sip before we started recording to make sure i wasn't going to spit it out Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's a it's a pretty good <laughs> balance. I'm pretty okay. happy with it. All So right. I that's do have what I got going on. I After have all the necessary spit. ingredients, so uh I might give it another shot with a little bit of sweetness to it at some point. I will say So that they often put an orange slice in it. I unfortunately was fresh out of oranges. And today was just not a day that I was going to the grocery store for an orange. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, I totally didn't. get it. No, So we're, totally reasonable. I am, yes, missing my orange slice, <laughs> but you know, I feel that's like okay. we're doing what I need to do with it. So I, that's totally fair. That's just the, yeah, that's that's just for appearances, the garnish, really. it, it does The give garnish it a little something, can, but it is also it, garnish. yeah, not necessary. Some, okay, exciting, exciting. I like it. I'm going to give it another try sometime. Well, maybe Um, I'll make one for you next time we're together. I like <laughs> it. I like it. Good plan. So I went completely opposite. I made a white Russian. Which I almost never drink, but I love it. I decided to to make it. So white Russian is just coffee liqueur, vodka, and cream. I actually didn't have cream, but I did put my milk in the frother before I put it Ooh, in and mix ah. it. So it made it a little thicker and fluffier, kind of like I a love cream, that. and then to put it over ice. So that is That's what pretty I am resourceful. drinking. Right? I like I your thought so. your Yeah. improv there, where you're like, well, I don't have any cream, but you know what <laughs> I do have? I've got frothed milk. I And do. I Yeah. personally uh, use frothed milk in my coffee at this Mm -hmm. Same. point. I don't buy half and half or anything like that Yeah, anymore. I froth my milk. I just use frothed milk. And it's, first of all, <laughs> obviously way more cost effective because I already oh, have God, milk yeah. in my house. Mm -hmm. Yep. And secondly, it's it's uh, equally good. I very much appreciate it. It Mm-hmm. tastes great in my coffee. So good I call, enjoy it good too. call, So man. I figured why not. So um, White Russian is much newer than, than your drink, but actually the first reference to any kind of something similar was a Black Russian, which first Okay. appeared in 1949 um, at a hotel in Brussels. And the only difference is it doesn't have cream. It's the coffee liqueur and the vodka. So... Okay. That's the only difference. So the White Russian, the first time it was like documented anywhere was a recipe in a California newspaper uh, in 1965. And at the time, 
Southern Comfort actually had, which they no longer make, a coffee liqueur. So it was right. actually listed as Southern vodka and cream, just as the three ingredients. So they no longer make whatever that coffee liqueur was that that company made. So I'm using Kahlua today. So um, they I, have. I different... appreciate that. Yeah, yeah that sounds. They have good. different variations, so you can put ice cream in it instead of cream. If you want to make it like a dessert drink, okay. Uh, a dirty Russian just adds chocolate syrup to it. Ooh. Mm-hmm. You can make a blonde Russian with Irish cream like Bailey's instead of okay. Kahlua. Uh, okay. And then there's a skinny Russian, which is sometimes referred to as the Anna Kornikova, the famous tennis star, because it's yeah. using skim milk as a lighter option, less oh, calories. Yeah. Uh, there's also something okay. called the Colorado Bulldog, which adds a splash of cola, which I don't think sounds good at all. So I don't, I'm not participating mm. in that yeah, one. I don't know about yeah. that. None of it has anything to do with Russia at all it's literally only called that because it's vodka is like i was one gonna of the say i guess vodka right it's like it the is, only yeah real yeah so it connection. has nothing to do with russia literally at all so <laughs> but <laughs> it became really popular after the like 90s cult classic movie the big lebowski yeah. because the dude always had a white russian everywhere throughout the movie that was his drink but he refers to it as a caucasian <laughs> <laughs> which i kind yeah. of love so that's fantastic my brother yeah. has this wonderful story about taking his kids trick-or-treating and running into the dude someone mm. you know paying tribute to the dude right 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 and when said dude answered the door my brother promptly asked where's your white russian and he mm-hmm. held up one finger and ran away and then came <laughs> back with a white russian nice I love and it. i have to say that that is i do love costumes that have a prop of alcohol or something like that i feel like those are great props you know it's like it's just i don't know add to it i'm i'm a fan i am a fan so yeah but i couldn't tell you the last time i had this drink but i was like you know what this is what i'm going with today so yeah that was a good choice i like that i like that i went spritz uh more because of my recent history trying it honestly before i went to italy i tried i was like forcing myself to fall in love with it like i was Uh, like i have to like this thing because i'm gonna drink it every day right (laughs) well and it was summer like don't get me wrong i love Mm. wine but i was like but what if i'm dying like wine is not a refreshing drink well exactly and and if you know me at all you know that i'm not a huge fan of eating outdoors but that's pretty Mm -hmm. common in italy and greece which was the Mm -hmm. other place we went and like i was like if i'm gonna sit outside i'm gonna need something cold and refreshing and don't get me wrong water is great yeah but you know yeah you'd like a drink i get it totally i wouldn't mind like to have an option yep i like it Cool. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, well that's great. We are gonna sip on these cocktails yeah. and talk to you guys about a topic <laughs> that we have not yet ever discussed, and maybe is gonna catch you off guard. We're gonna talk about cults. Yeah, talk about cults, you guys. <laughs> um, <Love it. laughs> just something that popped into our brains at one point. Lauren suggested this, and I kind of was like, we should do cocktails and cults. Um, yep. Whenever we do one of these off-the-wall episode topics, I think that cocktails are a nice pair with that. I totally think uh, so. Because so, it's a you know, we off did... of the normal. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like that really matches well with uh, with a cocktail. 
these off the wall topics. And so here we are. We're going to talk about cults. And I'm sure that if I gave you a chance to think about it, you would guess which direction I was going to go with finding some cults to share with you guys. And I'm going to talk about cat cults. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so here we go. As most people know, there are the uh, worship of cats has gone back many many years oh to gosh. the egyptians yeah uh there is an egyptian goddess called bast that existed emerged if you will around 3000 bc as a lioness mm. okay. um she was the warrior goddess of the sun and about 2000 years later her cult was still going strong wow go her <laughs> yeah so um over the years, she's mellowed into a domestic cat, mm-hmm. the goddess, Bast. Okay. Um, many ancient civilizations considered cats, uh, you know, prized because they mm-hmm. controlled the rodent population and protected food stores. Uh, they did appreciate how adorable they were, which, you know, is, of <laughs> course, not surprising to me at all as an appreciator of cats. True, true. Um, Egyptians allowed cats to live in their homes. And uh, Bast, I'm just going to tell you a couple things. Bast was the goddess of, not just the sun, but uh, but a couple of things here for fun. And then I'm going to talk a little bit more about a, a more recent cat cult that uh, <laughs> has a little bit more detail, a little bit more going on. Look. Bast was the goddess of the sunrise. So, you know, she's the da- daughter of Ra, the god of the sun. So that's Makes sense. her okay. origin story. Um goddess of fire goddess of fertility you know kind of all the things that all the egyptian gods are yeah right I feel like... goddess, of, <laughs> goddess of physical pleasure oh well fertility and that grow together yeah, yeah. okay uh, protection of from disease which kind of makes sense because they valued cats because they protected them from rodents and things like that so there was a connection mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. um they were revered in ancient Egypt, and killing one was seen as much more than just unlucky. It was punishable by death. Oh, you okay. killed a cat. That's... Cats are important. And when a yes, and when a treasured cat died, it was mummified and sent to a special cat cemetery. Oh, I know that's kind of adorable. <laughs> there is a city, Bubastis, where over three hundred thousand cats were buried. Holy crap, that's a lot of cats. <laughs> My God. I know. <laughs> it's so many. That's, yeah. And to that's... kind of put it into a recent context, mm-hmm. Bast is the god that exists in the Black Panther movie. Oh, okay. That is who they're they're yeah. seeing in the uh in the realm where the previous Black Panthers are. I don't I don't sure, sure. they give that they give it a yeah, name. I don't, I don't remember, remember what that realm is called. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So there's huh. some old timey cult stuff for you. Yeah, yeah. More of a you know worship, and, and but you know sure. aren't cults a lot of uh, there's a lot of worship going on in cults that seems to be a pretty yeah you know there's common some theme. higher power that people believe in generally speaking and that's an overarching theme of a cult. I mean Christianity was thought, thought of a cult for hundreds of years before it actually was called a religion. So when that first yeah. 
as was um, Islam. So they were both considered by cults when they started, and then they eventually became what we know as what we call religions. But at the time, you know, it was it was technically sure. people thought, no, this is just a crazy cult. So you know, yeah, I could there's see a lot that. of similarities. So maybe this, well, what I'm about to describe to you, I don't believe is ever going to become a religion. Um, yeah. <laughs> sorry, cat for people, but uh, <laughs> but only because it it has somewhat, it's basically dissipated at this point. Uh, this mm -hmm. cult doesn't doesn't exist really any longer, mm -hmm. as far as I could tell. Yeah. Um, so probably let's see, maybe about ten plus years ago, mm -hmm. this woman who was a religious leader, of course, of course. <laughs> that's always it's often part of it. Uh, mm -hmm. Reverend Cheryl Ruthven started a religious cult of followers that believe the cats are divine, oh, okay. and that they will carry the one hundred forty-four thousand souls mentioned in the Book of Revelation. Ah, so ferrying souls, right? Gotcha. So that's what their mm -hmm. role mm -hmm. is, and and she her her belief was that they would uh play a role in uh, ferrying souls in the book of Revelation, even though they're not there's no mention they're of not that. in this it but that's her belief her she interpretation the cats are gonna help take the souls yeah okay. yeah so without it. going into too much detail because i'm not here to bore you with a big yeah. long story <laughs> about this woman's history she kind of started out as a, like a religious leader Mm -hmm. um she started in washington she moved to tennessee over the years she kind of started her following in washington and really was more of a very religious focused not mm -hmm. really the cat thing that sort of okay. came later um she was one of those people to claim that she had a direct contact with god and that she was speaking oh, yeah. god's words mm -hmm. and you're not allowed to disagree with her and if you disobeyed you were banished and the reason why her organization is somewhat no longer in existence is because obviously at some point some followers sort of decided this was a cult and yeah. tried to <laughs> uh in her opinion besmirch its name uh, um she had people bowing down to her during worship she uh claimed to be a messiah figure they drank communion juice tinged with her blood wow. like, oh okay. it got pretty extreme that's pretty crazy point, okay <laughs> yeah um at one point her cat this leader ava died and oh. she was just like really distraught about the whole thing and took it as a sign to start a rescue a cat rescue oh. okay so that's nice I can, yeah i get that okay yeah so she founded this rescue it's called eva's eden mm. and she thought it would be a good way to like you know appreciate her memory and and things like that and she insisted that her followers foster cats by okay. the dozens some followers oh. had 30 or 40 cats in their homes they oh, fed wow. the cats before they fed their children Jeez. they cared more deep they were supposed to care more for the cats than for the children because these are the creatures that will be ferrying ferrying the your souls, souls. that's yes yeah. and as long okay. as you took care of them then in your time of need they would transform and they would take care of you okay 
So that's pretty much the premise of the cat cult uh, that I discovered. Like I said, they they lost some followers in about 2016 Mm. and have kind of disbanded since then. So um, that's... uh, and the the rescue and everything like their Facebook page is gone, oh, and gone. They, okay. you know, so I, I couldn't honestly tell you if they still exist in any capacity, yeah. but in you know, in the public sense, they're, they they're don't gone. seem to. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's fascinating. It's <laughs> amazing the things that people believe in. I, I am know, going right. to piggyback slightly off that. <laughs> Not talking about the cult I was going to talk about, but talk about a cult that me and my husband just watched documentary on like a week ago. Nice. Um, partially because it talks about the hundred and forty four thousand souls that oh. are going to be. So I don't know if you've seen this. There's a I don't know I don't know what it's on right now. If it's on Netflix or some other crazy streaming something, but okay. um, it, the cult was called Love Has Won, but the show was called Mother God. I believe. Okay. So That's the show that's telling you about cults. This person, yes. So this oh, is a okay. tiny cult, just one cult. Okay. Okay. Um, Love okay. his one. It was the name of the cult. Um, it was led by a woman named Amy Carlson, who believed she was Mother God. Um, I'm okay. fairly confident she was schizophrenic. Um, mm. but she also claimed that she was a 19 billion year old being who has been reincarnated as Jesus, Cleopatra, Joan of Arc, Marilyn Monroe, uh, and she was going to be the one to usher the 144,000 people into a fifth dimension Ooh. where a group of people are already there. And she um, believed that Robin Williams was one of the people who spoke to her and through her that would help mm. usher these people into this next dimension she claimed that donald trump was her father in a past life um i think i've she, heard of that <laughs> she all kinds of interesting beliefs um uh-huh. it what it i mean but at most there were like 30 people i mean it was a very small group of people but okay. she um she wound up taking the group to Hawaii, and then they had protests that ushered mm-hmm. her out of Hawaii. They wound up in Colorado. Um, her family actually wound up doing a wellness check on her because they were posting, the group was posting things, and she believed that, um, I don't remember what she was taking, colloidal silver would save her. She was turning blue like a smurf because yeah, she was colloidal silver man it's like uh, like by the gallons she was Ooh, drinking it that's too and much so i mean plus, any amount any, any much, of it is but... too much but it was it was excessive and then um she was controlling how much people ate so then the belief was to stop eating and to starve yourself because if you starved yourself you would be closer to god and there's Ooh. i'm sure i'm getting some of the details off but it was a whole bunch of craziness and eventually the cops did a wellness check and found her mummified body that was dead in this like trailer Jeez. in colorado that her followers were worshiping essentially to her body thinking that the people in the next dimension would be picking her up at some point to go on to the next life uh yeah it was crazy so that's uh <laughs> so i watched that that's a lot recently. <laughs> it's um, a lot to process yeah it it, it 
yeah it definitely was a lot so um but anyway so that uh was one we watched recently but the one i was actually going to talk about was um one that is recent it's in like around the 70s through 90s 70s through 80s um and it was um rajneesh Puram. um the guy's name was bhagwan shri rajneesh and okay. he was essentially like an indian yogi who was effectively kicked out of india for his beliefs and things and uh they referred to him as osho he was born in the 30s there's a show on netflix called wild wild country and that's what this is based off of so um it was um you know it, it, my husband says that two of the current rules of modern day cults is Give me all your money and I can have sex with whoever I want as the yeah. leader of the cults. So those were two overwhelming yeah. parts of this uh, sure. was give me all your money. I'm making I'm building this huge compound in Oregon. Um, so they built this compound. They had hundreds of people. Um, maybe up to a thousand at one point, but they were very into embracing sexual liber- liberation and had crazy like musical dances, nakedness things. People were doing all kinds of craziness. Um, but Osho was the one who was behind it, and he had a second in command named Sheila. Um, so they're they're doing all their stuff, but. Then they want to try and take over the government in their area, like the local government. They try and take over like the seats of the county in the town of Antelope, Oregon. Um, it eventually all kind of unraveled when some mm-hmm. of the higher ups in this organization actually got arrested for plotting to assassinate the U.S. attorney at the time. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to being responsible for the first recorded bioterrorist attack, which was when they actually injected salmonella bacteria into salad products at local restaurants, not killing anyone, but sickening over 700 people. Whoa. Like, yeah. Crazy. Oof. So Sheila, the second in command, actually wound up fleeing to Switzerland. She eventually did jail time. Um, and Rajneesh was deported in 1985. 21 countries denied him entry. They're like, we don't want you. We don't want anything to do with you. He wound up back in India where he was for like four or five years before he actually passed away in 1990. Um, and then the compound in Oregon is no longer there. It was just leveled in 1985 but it was a very interesting documentary to watch um it was probably i don't remember how many episodes maybe six i mean it was like a mini series but it was fascinating and we've been watching a number of things like that to be like what kind of people like what what's your your mentality at the time has to be looking for something to believe in like yes Something to hold on to, something higher than you, something to believe that it exists out there that that is higher than us. Um, so that one was interesting. We recently, the other day, watched a documentary called Buddha Field. Okay, I don't know if you've seen that one. No. It's essentially, I think it was a Venezuelan um, 
purse man who was like the son of a wealthy rancher who moved to the U.S. and really wanted to become an actor and a ballet dancer. And he essentially failed at both of those. He even failed at porn. Like he like couldn't be an actor in anything. Sorry, dude. So then he um, got people to follow him and believe that he had powers and had uh, a connection to you know, whatever belief you want to believe. And through him, you would get knowledge that you couldn't otherwise get. Um, Mm. But what's interesting about him versus the mother of God one is I think that woman was actually believing the things she was saying. Like she was probably had a mental illness, probably. Right. He was tricking people because eventually they figured out like he would put his hand to your forehead and like push and and claim that you are going to be able to get this knowledge and you would see a light flash before your eyes well some of the followers eventually figured out he just had a flashlight in his hand that he was just flashing so he knew it wasn't real but he was just trying to get Uh. people to follow him because then they would pay for his everything for for his living they would carry things for him they would carry his chair when they went to the beach they would you know give him services which would be like he they would massage him and do things and eventually wound up being sexual favors and things like that but he would walk everywhere around in a speedo like he got so much plastic surgery that he looked plastic so it's like some of these organizations Hmm. truly believe in what they're speaking and other organizations are i'm just tricking you to get what i want and there is the two different kind of things the ones that believe truly believe that there is some higher power religious you know thing in what they're saying the other people are just trying to get money and stuff from you so there's the divide that i've seen there's so many crazy cults out there though like there's yeah. hundreds of hours of documentaries about yep. crazy I cults mean, and <laughs> yeah i mean we've only touched on a couple here you guys and like uh you and know there seems like the big ones <laughs> no no well and you know me and you often try to stay away from something controversial per se yes, yes, yes. but mm-hmm. yeah i mean you know there are organizations that exist currently and organizations that have existed that mm-hmm. are big and have had a big impact on history oh, and on society. People, yeah, yeah, I mean, and you know, how many people those died are... in in Jonestown? Like hundreds, I think. And yeah. Heaven's Gate, who thought they were going to get picked up by a UFO or something, like. There were people that committed suicide willingly thinking that that's how they got to the next, you know, whatever level. Um, But yeah, some people had lots and lots of people over lots of years believing in what their teachings were, which does beg the question of what's, you know, what's a, where's the line between religion and cult, which I'm not going to get into. But, you know, some of these crazy ones, you're like, oh, no, that's crazy. But other ones you're like, maybe that's not so crazy maybe that's just yeah. another god like so it's sometimes yeah. hard to distinguish between the you know this is something reasonable to believe in if you're looking for a belief system and you know this crazy lady doing math in her trailer is you know god reincarnated so <laughs> i don't believe that one so <laughs> yeah that's kind of that's a stretch <clears throat> i i feel like that one's a stretch but it's yeah. interesting i think it's interesting um 
just to learn about different things. And, you know, my husband and I have had conversations when watching these, like, clearly there are people out there who are searching for something to believe in and something, a group to feel like, not even believe in, but to feel like they're a part of. And that's a uh-huh. big thing about cults is it does feel like a family and many of these wind up living together yeah. in a group in a convent in a thing similar to that and they 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 become a family so I think like that's yeah. something i was going to kind of bring up when you were talking about you know how do you reach that point where you're convinced you've convinced yourself that this is something you want to be a part of and i think that you know feeling isolated or feeling alone and looking for that family um that family feeling or that togetherness or community mm-hmm. is something that I think kind of draws people in who are still making like common sense decisions. Like mm-hmm. you, you know, you, and then they you still just have jobs. They still have like yeah. functioning adults in society. And I always say, yeah. you know, whenever my husband and I, when we talk about subjects sort of like this where we're like well how did this person come to the conclusion that what they did whatever this thing is was a good idea and clearly whatever we're talking about is either a crime or just something wrong or whatever Mm -hmm. and what i've kind of learned is that you end up surrounding yourself with people at some point where that does sound like a good idea where Mm -hmm. there's no one really to tell you no that's going too far or you're doing something you shouldn't or you know and i think that um i think that that is something in this cult environment that becomes that kind of takes it to the extreme obviously i mean someone committing a crime or doing something wrong is obviously terrible but when you're talking about one person doing something wrong you know, you're kind of like, well, you know, they probably were in a you know a group of people that maybe this just didn't seem like a bad idea. So that whoever their support system was wasn't necessarily discouraging that. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking about a cult, you know, you're putting it on like a grand scale a lot of times. And that's I think how we I think that's how you end up in that position. I think that's how you end up in there, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, some of these, when you, you hear people, they, they realize also they've gotten in and they're in too deep, but mm-hmm. they don't want to leave that sense of community because they feel like they wouldn't have anything anymore. They wouldn't have people or support systems or you know, a yeah. lot of people left their to join this group and right. then they're in too, too deep and they feel like they can't leave because they don't have an alternative. It's almost violence situation like you feel like you have nowhere to go and this is where right. you're at now but even if you realize you don't want to you think well what is my alternative and people have given all their money and everything mm-hmm. else to this organization and now they're they feel stuck um yeah. which is interesting and obviously there's always alternatives but i understand the feeling of i've invested everything i have into this now what am I supposed to do? And that right. feels also like a, you know, it's a reason that people stay in some of these people, that sense of community, and that's what they've invested. It's now right. part of kind of who they think they are is this group. Um, right. So it's it's just interesting. It's also an interesting look into just the human psyche in general to see, you know, how people get kind of pulled into different and organizations sometimes with the you know guys of I can give you something you don't have 
Um, and whether that be, you know, a certain lifestyle or family or whatever, um, it's it's definitely it's just interesting. I find it interesting. Yeah, oh. I agree. It is. <laughs> yeah. Yes, so, it is fascinating. I find that is yeah. definitely the case. I definitely find it fascinating. Yes. Um, and hope that I uh maintain the relationships with people that I have so that. I do not get drawn into a cat cult or other type of cult someday. <laughs> yes. I, I would agree. I will try and keep you from yeah. uh, Thank you. The, the cat cult. So, I appreciate same. that. Yeah, Make if you sure I, don't just, join I will some, do my best. Some craziness. If I'm starting to get a bad feeling, I'll just be like, <laughs> hey, are you, sh are you sure that's what you're going to do this weekend? I mean... <laughs> And then you can be yeah. like, no, I'm sure for yeah. this reason. And then I can make a decision about whether or not intervention is necessary <laughs> and vice versa. <laughs> Great. So fantastic. All right. so. Yeah. Well, well, I think I'm going to finish my spritz and you can finish your white Russian. And, uh, you know, we'll uh, wrap up this episode by thanking you guys for joining us and catch you guys next time when we will talk about something that isn't cult related yeah. yes we'll go back to the usual and figure out what yeah absolutely <laughs> so, you guys for sure but thank you for entertaining us and participating oh, yeah. in a fun conversation that's out of the ordinary so oh yeah we'll catch right. you guys next time take care bye bye thanks everyone for listening to the latest musings from parenting by the pint be sure to find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you find your podcasts. Have a great week, and cheers to you all. <laughs>